Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am extremely excited tonight as we have an amazing theatrical pop rock singer and actress coming on named Lynn Litchie. And I want to make sure I pronounced her name right, so I'm going to say it once so I don't screw it up if I did by mistake. Um, but she's going to be coming on in a moment. I'm going to give, I'm going to give a, an amazing background and introduction about who she is. And this interview is still on forever tonight because she has such an amazing background and story, and she's just a phenomenal talent. So we will bring her on in a moment. But I always like to do a brief introduction to new people who are tuning into my show. And if you are not new, um, I'm sure you've heard my introduction before. But I just like to give people a background a little bit on who I am. I created this show approximately a little over a year ago. I really wanted to bring a forum to radio where I could bring on various people in the entertainment industry to support and promote them. Um, A little bit about myself. I'm a clinical psychologist. That's what I have my doctorate degree in. And one of the things I've always enjoyed doing is interviewing people. Coupled with my background in entertainment, um, I'm a singer-songwriter, a modern rock solo artist. I have an album out. And also I do some writing for some entertainment magazines on psychology and the entertainment industry. So I really wanted to combine all of my backgrounds and passions and create this forum to really support people out there. Um, I do everything independently by myself right now, and I know a lot of people in the entertainment industry today, um, you know, struggle and they really need that support. So that's why I created this forum. So tonight you're going to really get a great um, feel of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in their profession. And a couple of things I just kindly request for people to um, keep in mind is that although I'm a psychologist, and I'm sure Lynn and every other guest I've had on the show always uh, kind of laughs about, I'm sure, all their uh, experiences in the entertainment industry, and there's some entertaining ones, and there's also, I'm sure, somewhere they could use uh, some help sometimes with these crazy people that you do encounter along the way. But the show is not going to be providing any formal therapy or treatment, so I just put that out there in the beginning. Um, If people have questions, I'm more than open to answering them, but I will do it in a very more educational and uh, broad format rather than personalizing anything. And secondly, I do want my guests to feel open to talk about whatever they'd like, but I just request that we keep any personal information, such as identifying names, um, organizations, et cetera, anonymous, because the show isn't meant to personally humiliate or embarrass anyone. But I do want the show to be real and people to feel that they can be down to earth and talk about whatever they'd like. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. I do have a chat room up. Unfortunately, because I'm a one-person show here, I really want to stay focused on the interview and my notes. But um, you can join us in the chat room. I have all of Lynn's information up there, her website, as well as the number for the station, which is 805-243-1320. And also, if anyone tunes in late or for some reason you can't catch the show, the podcast will be available at the conclusion of the show, and you can download it, stream it, and do whatever you'd like. So that'll be there indefinitely. So let me give you some information about Lynn, and then we are going to bring her on the show. So Lynn is a singer-songwriter. She's got this amazing album that's going to be coming out this summer. It's called At Last. We're going to feature a couple of songs off of it tonight with uh, particularly Caveman, which is her hit single right now. She's working on a video for it. It's an amazing song, so we're going to be listening to that tonight. And we're also going to get into talking about her other background, 
which uh, she combines the two together. She's an amazing actress. She has performed on some of the most, um, the biggest blockbuster shows that people have heard out there, Jekyll and Hyde, Dance of the Vampires, Dracula. And during her career, she's also had the opportunity to work with some amazing talents, including Roman Polanski, Frank Wilhorn, some of these names I cannot pronounce directly, so I'm going to have her pronounce them for me so I don't mess that up. And um, she's also done some recordings with amazing people, too, including Lionel Richie, uh, Piero Mazzocchetti. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the person who wrote 99 Red Balloons, which is uh, Aw Varenkog Peterson, and I probably really botched that one up, but hey, we got to be uh, real on this show. And uh, we're going to get into all the other stuff that she's been involved in, but she, her resume just goes on and on. She's done some amazing things. We're going to talk about what it was like growing up, um, going to school. She's uh, majored in theater and performance, so we'll talk about that, and uh, just all the other things that she's got going on. So if you want to check her out, you can go to Lynn, L-Y-N, I'll spell her last name, L-I-E-C-H-T-Y, music.com. She has her album up there. She's got um, a Christmas album, which is also phenomenal, and uh, lots of other exciting things that people can check out for upcoming events with her. So let's bring her on the show. Hey, Lynn, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good. Welcome. It's so it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on and support you tonight. Well, thank you. I've got to thank you for that wonderful introduction you gave me. That was very <laughs> <Right>? sweet. <laughs> no, Lynn, hey, you have an amazing resume. And you know it's funny? I always like to say this. The comedians especially, they crack me up because they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can live up to what you said. You just did it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> That's what so, I was thinking. <laughs> no, um, when you're just it's you're you're in a phenomenon. You're really talented, and I'm very impressed with everything that you've done. So it's going to be a really oh, cool interview. You. Yeah, thank you definitely. very much. I'm I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want you to also help guide the interview. You know, I I create some questions. I always really look over people's bios and their background and stuff. But you know, I also want to make it personal and and make people feel like they're really getting to know who you are as a person because we know sure. you're an amazing talent. You've done so many great things out there. So we also, you know, if you can throw some interesting stories in along the way with some of the people you've met and some of the experiences sure. you've had, that would be great. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So why don't we just start out, I guess, from the beginning when you were young and uh, what made you get interested in theater and singing and the entertainment industry? You know, music has has always been a huge part of my life. I I honestly I think I was singing before I was talking. So, <laughs> uh, my mother used to tell me stories about when I was a a baby and I wouldn't stop crying and I couldn't sleep. She would just put me in front of the stereo and it was the only thing that kept me quiet. It was the only thing that calmed me down. That I you know that made me smile. So. It's It started before I was even aware of it. Um, but music, I think for me, kind of what happened was I, like a lot of people, I was I was born into a family that had uh, a lot of pain and a, and a lot of um, difficult things to deal with. And I came into the world very early age, you know, started to collect my own pain. And, and I needed a way to deal with it and to mm-hmm. understand it and to get through it. Um, a lot of people, and my family was no exception, don't have a lot of emotional education. Um, okay. So it's, it can be very difficult when you're young and you're feeling these things that you don't understand and you and you are looking for some guidance and 
if your family is not really educated in emotions, you kind of get stuck on your own. And music was where I turned to understand what was going on. I think and if you don't is, mind, um, and yeah. I'll just interrupt a tiny bit. Um, if you can, you know, and you don't, you can feel as comfortable as you do going into, you know, personal stuff. But what were some of the things, like you say, you know, growing up, there were some difficulties and challenges, and definitely music evidently was an outlet for you to deal with those emotions that maybe your family couldn't understand, or they just, like you said, didn't know how to process. What were some of those right. things that that you well, kind of you experienced? Know, there's there's so many things and it would take a whole other interview to go into all the details about it. But I mean, from all your psychology work, you also know that that if a parent doesn't deal with their own issues, mm-hmm. it it gets passed on to the children. And so when when you deal with a couple generations of people who have not dealt with their stuff, you automatically come in working through their stuff as well, and then you start collecting your own on top of that. So. There was a lot of different layers of things going on, and uh, you know, it's just it's very hard, especially for a child, to deal with things like that. And uh, the other thing with me was, from a very very young age, I knew that I came here to sing. I didn't really know why, but mm-hmm. that was what was important to me, and that's what I needed to do. And you know, I remember I was either in kindergarten or first grade, and I was sitting at my desk looking out the window thinking, how am I going to get through all of these years of school until I get to do what I want to do? Wow. And for a child that young to be that aware, it, it's mm-hmm. even more frustrating to have to go through, you know, your ABCs and your 2 plus 2 equals 4 when all you want to do is sing and get on stage and have your life and and move forward. So I was so dealing with a you, whole... Uh... Yeah, so how did you, do, like you said, sitting in classes and having to do all this kind of, you know, academic-related stuff that wasn't your forte, what, you know, what did yeah, you do to uh, push yourself through? I A lot of times I, you know, would scribble lyrics in my in my notebook. I started mm-hmm. writing at a very, very young age. Um, and I would and I would sort of look out the window and dream about okay if I could do my first album what what kinds of songs would I write and where would I want to perform and I just I kept myself in that world and I looked for as many opportunities to do what I wanted to do as I could um, I sang in talent shows I think mm-hmm. in 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 maybe fifth grade or fourth grade, I, I did a one-woman uh, production of Annie, you know, just, just to oh, do wow. all of these things for my class. And I was singing all the time, and all the teachers knew that, that that's what I did, and, and they would make jokes about me not needing to learn math because I was going to sing anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I I just kept I just kept finding any way that I could to focus on the things that were important to me. Um, and, great. you know, my sophomore year of high school – I, I finally got to the point where it just it wasn't enough. The talent shows weren't enough. I really needed to learn more and to do more and to just start getting all of this emotion out of me that I had and, and to sing and to use the voice that I had been working with. So I actually found the Interlock and Arts Academy. Um, I spent my first two years of, of high school at a public high school in Madison, okay. Wisconsin, which is where I grew up. And then uh, my junior and senior year, I I left and I went to the Interlock and Arts Academy up in Michigan. It was a oh, wow. private art school, so it was a you know it was a private school in in high school for the arts, um, which was a great opportunity. And I'm and I'm very glad I went. I learned a lot of things, but at the same time, it was it was also um, 
an interesting beginning for me because that school in the voice department tended to focus on classical music and opera singing and that is you know that's not where I come from I come from a pop rock theatrical emotional kind of kind of singing and uh, so it, it I you know I kind of always found myself not really fitting in wherever I went Huh, interesting. Um, so yeah, but it, but it was you know I still learned a lot and I have a great respect for all arts and all music and and it was good for me but it was still I was still dealing with the frustration of not really getting the opportunity to do what I really wanted to do. And when you said that was I just thought that was an interesting comment you made by not fitting in, and I assumed you felt like that when you were in regular grammar school and public school just because probably kids weren't as you know animated well, as you, you know, were about I, getting into the, the singing and the arts and stuff like that. So was there anything else to that in terms of was it hard to make friends because you were so passionate about, you know, what you was, wanted to get involved I, you know, in? I, I had a very interesting position in my public high school. On the one hand, you know, all of my friends and stuff would go out on Friday nights and Saturday nights. I stayed home and sang. I worked on my music. Wow. So I didn't really go out and do the high school social thing. On the mm-hmm. other hand, everybody in the high school knew who I was because of my singing. So on the one hand, you know, I was I was popular in the sense that everybody knew my name, parents knew my name, they would all, you know, come to watch the talent shows that I would sing in. But on the right. other hand, I was very, very private and isolated because in my off time, I was working on my stuff while other people were going out for ice cream and movies. Right. So it was uh, it was interesting. I was kind of walking in between both of those worlds. Right, right, because you had the popularity because, like you said, people knew you because of the talent you were and everything, but then you had the, the private life. Do you feel that you missed out on anything, or would you have changed anything by, you know, not going out and having ice cream or going to the movies or parties? You know, or... not really, because when mm-hmm. I when I like to go out, I, I would much rather go out with, with fewer people that I really care about and trust and, right. you know, love and who are very good friends as opposed to, just going out with a whole bunch of people for the sake of, you know, a big party. I'm not really a I big agree. party goer. I'm not, you know, I, I I do the bar thing if I have to, but I'd I'd much rather go to a restaurant over a cup of coffee and talk. <laughs> sure. I <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I'm, no music. Right. <laughs> I'm definitely this. Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. My friends were growing up when they wanted to go to those clubs and stuff. I just, again, I was always it's into so more of the rock stuff. I was a surfer yeah. girl. You know, I, I just like you. I kind of. Again, I was popular for a variety of reasons, but I also, you know, had a hard time fitting in because I was a tomboy and I was interested in all right. these different things. You know what I mean? So right, right, I can totally exactly. relate to you. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Okay, so so then you go to the um, you're going you're finishing up like you said your junior and senior year, and then from there, tell us a little bit about you then go into getting a BFA in musical theater. Yeah, well, um, what happened at Interlochen was my junior year, I went there to major in voice. And then okay. because it was so focused on classical and opera, for my senior year, I switched to the theater department and became a theater major. So that was my first real experience with with stage and theater. And they both go hand in hand for me because, you know, some people say, oh, I'm an actress, and some people say I'm a singer. To me, I am I am just somebody who feels. I deal with emotions. I deal with feelings. Whether mm-hmm. that comes out in a song or a monologue doesn't really matter because the, the, the objective is still the same. 
I'm expressing an emotion, I'm expressing a character, I'm, you know, I'm I'm helping somebody who's listening or watching feel something through what I'm doing on stage or through the song. So it was a very easy transition and I actually loved the acting. Um it's it's a it's a fantastic it's a fantastic way to express emotions as well as singing. So after uh my senior year at Interlochen, I uh was asked to come to a university in St. Louis, Missouri to uh major in musical theater for my BFA for college. Okay. So I went there, and I spent four years um, getting my BFA, and, you know, I learned a lot there, too. But even even at my college, they were focusing on, you know, the very old-style musicals, the 42nd Street and, you know, all of the, the older-style musicals. And I, I'm a very much more modern, rock, theatrical, passionate singer right. and actress. You know, I like all of those shows. And, and back then... That was just beginning. Now those shows are everywhere, um, so everybody knows what those are. But back then it was it was very rare and it was very new. So this, the college that I was at didn't really do much of that. So even in their eyes, I was a little bit on the outside because they kept telling me, "You you sound too pop. You sound too modern. You you're not singing the right style." Oh gosh. Um, so it was like, yeah, so it was another four years of, of almost being able to do what I want to do, but not want. quite being able to. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my God. So wow. I was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, like like everywhere, I learned a lot about politics um, starting very young at, at that school. And, you know, that's not one of the lessons you go to a school, you know, you know pay for that, but you learn it anyway. And it's it's a good lesson because there is a lot of politics involved, especially in this business. Yeah, and you have to learn. You definitely expand on that a little bit because I always find that very interesting when people talk about, you know, the the whole industry and the politics involved in it and networking and who you know. So what did you mean when you learned in school about specifically politics? What was going on in school that I guess well, kind of helped set the was, stage for you? Yeah, let me let me see if I can try to sum this up so I'm not talking for hours about it. But for right. my first, you know, three years, up until my senior year of college, um, there again there was never there was never a part given to me in a musical theater production because they kept saying I'm too pop I'm too modern you know that's right. not the style for these musicals so even though I was paying for the education to learn how to do a lead in a show I was not given that opportunity yeah. so for my for my whole 3 years you know I I was doing ensemble and chorus and it's a very good experience and I'm really glad that I did it but by the time my senior year came, you know, I, I knew how to do that part. I, I got it. Three years later, I, I know how to do that. <laughs> and right. the the final production that they were doing in my senior year was Cabaret. And I got very excited. Finally, there's a show that, that my voice and my style will fit for. And uh, <clears throat> when the casting came for that, they um, – they were bringing in a, a guest director to direct that show, and I had actually worked with him before. And he and I had a good friend in common, so I, you know, I knew him. I knew kind of what he was looking for, and mm-hmm. and I knew that he wanted me to to do the lead, so that we could work on that, and so that I could get the experience of how do you do a lead in a musical theater production. I think that's a very important part of education. Sure. And. You know, unfortunately, a lot of schools are not looking at it that way. When your students come for a four-year degree, at some point they do need to know what that feels like. Um, 
And, uh, you know, the casting came and went, and uh, the head of the department had decided that I I was not right for the part. So once oh, again, no. they had wanted to cast me, you know, third from the left in the back. And I, at that point, I was also starting to explore singing with my band around the city because my feeling was if I can't get the experience to sing, you know, solo and live and know what that feels like, I'm, I'm going to have to do it on my own then. Right. So, right. you know, around my classes, I would I would sing with my band and get the experience I needed that way. And when the casting list went up and I I had discovered that, you know, the the guest director had actually wanted me for the role, but, you know, was told that I was not eligible for it, I guess. Um I was I was upset, you know, like anybody would be. You know, I'm this is this is my life, this is my career and I'm and I'm being denied for my final chance to learn how to do this. So, my feeling was instead of doing ensemble once again, I would like to take that time that I would have to go to rehearsals and stuff to sing with my band so that I could get more solo experience instead. It's my final year. I'm just about to go out into the world. I needed that. And uh, they did not want to allow me to do that. They wanted to, you know, to force me to to stay in the ensemble. And That's a shame. That's just so. I, I can see what you're saying. That's just so yeah, disappointing. And, it, and it's it's disappointing, and it's a political game, and it's yeah. and it's you know it's playing with somebody's life. This was experience that I really needed. You know, I wasn't just right. doing this for the heck of it, and then I was going to go do another job somewhere. This was what right. I was going to do. And four years later, they were not giving me the opportunity to learn what it's like to have a role and to have to do that. And then when they were trying to take away the thing that I could do on my own around my classes, um, it bothered me. I, what do you mean I, they were I've trying never... to take away they were trying to well, what you gonna... do the band? Yeah, they they were not gonna allow me to do the band because they wanted me to do ensemble again. So if you're in a show, you know, you have rehearsals every night. You right. you don't have time to do anything else. Okay. And I wrote a very, you know, diplomatic professional letter explaining I, I have done that for three years. I've worked with this guest director. There's not going to be anything in this show that I'm missing in my education. Mm-hmm. However, if I can have the opportunity to sing with my band outside of my classes, you know, it wouldn't interfere with my classwork, that would give me some education that I've been missing here. And uh, they continued to want to deny me that. And to me, it, it became uh, it became a political game rather than rather than their actual care about what's best for me and I'm just I've never been good with that uh, I, I don't like being pushed down or held down mm-hmm. I, I just won't do it I, I don't care what the consequences are I this is my life I learned that when I was very young that it's my responsibility and if right. I need something and I'm not getting it I got to go find it somewhere else no matter what and so I you know I went to the head of the entire school I went above wow. the I went above the department and I went to the head of the school and I sat down with him and explained it and said, I, you know, they were threatening my degree at that point. They, they had oh told me gosh. that if I don't, if I don't do the show, they wouldn't let me graduate. <laughs> and so I went to the head of the school because I knew that the school would not want that reflected on them. That's not the kind of attitude they want for their students. So I went and I got help from him and and finally, you know, my department backed down and and let me do my band instead of instead of the show which is also unfortunate cuz it really would have been great to know how to do a lead in a musical theater but you know I I got that opportunity after I left there 
Yeah, you got many opportunities after you left there, so now you yeah. can uh, kind of shove it in their face. <laughs> well, you know? it's not that I'd want to shove it in their face, but I no, do hope I that they got a little bit open so that future students would no. would not be deprived of that, you know? Yeah. But it's that, you know, I didn't mean it like that, but it's it's kind of that no, bittersweet thing. We all have yeah. those things in our lives where, you know, people Absolutely. maybe didn't think you could do something, and then it's like, even if you don't kind of verbally say to them, hey, look, I showed you, you know that you showed them. So that's Right. Cool. Well, you know, some one of the good things about that is I always feel like even the people, you are where you are because of the people that supported you and because of the people who didn't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually okay when people don't believe in you and tell you you're not going to make it because you can Absolutely. make it anyway. And in some strange way, they were part of it too. Mm-hmm. So you and, know, you and don't you have that. Um, you know, you have that kind of perseverance and that dedication and you know persistent type of attitude to begin with. So you're you're not going to let people right. drag you down. I can tell that about Absolutely you. Absolutely <laughs> not. And you know that that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt and bother you and no, slow you down not. and. You know, definitely there are times when it's too much, but you just you always have to just take a breath and step back and say, no matter how many people tell me this isn't going to work, if I believe it and I work at it, uh, it can. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Well, why don't why don't we do this? Because I want to. You're you're doing a great interview and you're giving so much amazing information here. I definitely want to be able to fit in your two songs. And I was going to also I want to talk a little bit later about. Uh, Rich Sergiovanni and give him a plug oh, tonight and play the Grim song. So I was going to tie a bunch of stuff in. So let's do this. Why don't we, you know, let's check out Caveman and you can uh, tell us a little bit about the song and the album and when you think it's going to drop so people can, uh, you know, pick it up. And then we'll also talk more about it, of course, during the interview. But tell us Absolutely. a little bit about, you know, this hit single you have coming off your new album, which is titled At Last. And uh, yes. yeah, give us a little I, bit I of background. Love- I love Caveman. <laughs> I it think is a it's great song. A, it's, oh, I'm glad you like it. I, I think mm-hmm. there's so much to it, which is uh, one of the things about it, that it just makes it so exciting to perform it and to listen to it. It's very, it, it part of it is very primal. It's very sexy. It's also very funny. It's um, And to me, it's very, um, even though you can hear it and think on the surface that it's kind of more funny and clever, it's, it's actually very real. I mean, to me, the song is a, it's a comment on the ongoing battle between brains and brawn. It's a comment on, I think as a society, we have tended to, um, to, to dull ourselves to emotions and to feelings. And we kind of hide behind our heads and thinking. We think a lot instead of feel. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with cavemen, they lived on instinct. They felt everything. All of their senses were heightened. And I think somewhere along the line as a society, we've lost a lot of that. And I think it's unfortunate because a huge part of the human experience is emotion and passion and your guts and your instinct and your internal might and your internal strength and that that animal human side of us. Uh, I think it's very, very important. And uh, the song is kind of my way of suggesting, wouldn't it be fascinating and great if we got back in touch with our passion, if we lived life a little bit more like the caveman and felt our way through things and followed something because it felt right or that's what our guts told us to do instead of thinking, oh, this is the smart thing and I should do it this way because my brain tells me to, you know? Um, Right. 
And obviously, you know, in this day and age, you can't you can't talk about cavemen without joking about the uh, TV commercials about cavemen. So, <laughs> right. you know, we put we put some jabs at Geico in there just because it's funny. And I've I've always loved those commercials. They always made me laugh. So, we kind of put a little bit of that humor in there as well. So it's uh, it's it's a really fun song. We also did um, a dubstep style dance mix remix version of it. Oh, cool. So when when the video is done, we'll be selling the uh, single with the remix version and also the video that should be coming out. Nice, nice. Well, let's do this. Let's. We're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna check out Caveman, and then when we come back, we'll uh, talk more about your amazing experiences in theater and some of the awards you've got, as well as you know your album coming out too. All right. Great. Thanks, Carrie. Okay. Hold on, Lynn. All right, everyone, again, you're listening to Lynn Litchie, and I think I pronounced it right. I forgot to ask her. I did say that in the beginning of the show, on the Carrie Edelman Show, and we are now going to check out her hit single, Caveman. The album is going to be out this summer. It's titled At Last, and you can check her out at lynnlitchiemusic.com. Again, all the information is up in the chat room, so let's check out her song, and we'll be back in a moment.
everyone. Welcome back. Again, that was Lynn's hit single, Caveman, and be sure to check it out and check her out at lynnlitchymusic.com. And again, i got to ask her about the pronunciation of her last name. <laughs> I've heard every How pronunciation you possible. Your <laughs> You're actually not that far off. It's Lynn okay. Lichty. Lichty? Lichty. Lichty. Yes, there you go. Okay. That's right. Okay. I know. I kept looking at it when Rich had sent me all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, no. How do I pronounce it's, this woman's name? Nobody, nobody <laughs> gets that right. Don't worry about it at all. It's fine. And is it, <laughs> is it German? It's actually Swiss German. Okay. Very nice. Yeah, because yeah. I, I saw that you spoke. Do you speak German? Well, I do since I got the show over there, yeah. When I, when I wow. auditioned for Miss Saigon, uh, in New York back in, uh, when was that, 94, I think. Um, okay. I didn't know the show was going to be in German. I just thought it was an wow. uh, English production of Miss Saigon happening in Germany. And, you know, I almost didn't go to the audition because at that time I had I had gotten another job. It was a lead in a in a tour in America. So I, I was comfortable. I wasn't going to go. It was another one where you have to get up really early and stand out in the cold for hours. I mean, it's the cattle calls in New York. They're they're dreadful. Right. And but that morning when my alarm went off and I and I was going to go back to sleep, I just this voice inside my head just said, "Lynn, you have got to get up and go to this audition." And wow. I you know I listen to that voice when when something is is important to me, even if I don't understand why, I will I will do everything I can. So. I got up at something like 4 o'clock in the morning, which is ridiculous, but <laughs> um, if you're going to get in the front of those lines, that's that's what you have to do in New York. So I went to that audition. It was at Radio City Music Hall, and, you know, the line was around the entire block for one wow. female part. It's like, it, you know, and, and even things like that, most people just turn around and left. And I saw people leaving, and, you know, part of me wanted to, but... Again, I, that voice in my head was like, you are going to stand in this line and you're going to do the audition. And so I did, and it took all day. I finally got in to sing later that afternoon. They called me back again that night, and uh, I got the job, which was oh, congratulations. so exciting. Yeah, thank you. It was really, uh, you know, Ellen and Miss Saigon, it's a fantastic part. And uh, it was when I got the job that they told me that the show was in German. <laughs> I didn't speak German. I had no idea how I was going to do this. But, you know, after so many years of of desperately trying to do what it is that I do and Mm -hmm. to get an opportunity, you know, now one was given to me. So I was taking it. And I told them if they could get me the script, you know, way ahead of time, uh, I could hire phonetics coaches and German coaches and translating coaches, and I could be off script by the time I got there. And they did. They sent it to me a few months before the first rehearsal. Wow. I worked very, very hard. Yeah, it was very overwhelming. And, you know, when the first, when the script comes and you first open it up and you see all these German words, you know, it's, it's, it's just mind boggling. But I did it because I really, I needed to. I, I love the songs. Oh, those those two songs that she sings in that show are just fantastic. It's it's a passionate role, and I was excited to do the role too because I really wanted to try to bring a, a sympathy to Ellen. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen Miss Saigon? Do you know the show? No, and this is where you're educating me, Lynn, because I'm not <laughs> very well versed. In, unfortunately, I'm not very well versed in theater. But that's why oh, you know we'll I find you to be that. so you know dynamic too, is because this is something I'm learning about tonight from you. So right, you right. tell us well, a little bit about that. 
Well, one of the things that I really try to do when I play any role is is find the sympathetic side of the character, no matter who she is or what she does. Find something about her that you love, even if you're playing somebody evil. You might you might supposed to be hating her, but find something about her that you love anyway. Um, I think it's too easy to just play, you know, the person that everybody hates and not let it go mm-hmm. any deeper than that. It's much more exciting if if you don't want to love the character, but you do anyway. And one of the things that I was very excited about with the challenge of Ellen and Miss Saigon is Ellen is pretty much the other woman in that show. Um, okay. Not by any fault of her own, but, but it's sort of set up where the audience is, is rooting for the other woman because that's the main character, that's who you love, and Ellen is sort of on the outside of that, kind of getting in the way of it. And every time I had seen somebody play that role... They played it that way. They played it where you don't really feel any sympathy for her and you don't really want to feel what she's going through. And I wanted to do that differently. Um, and so I did. And I approached I approached her from a very real standpoint. I gave her a very real struggle. And I did everything I could to demonstrate that this was an extremely difficult um, journey for her as well. And, mm-hmm. I, and I did it in a way where actually the audience members – had a sudden sympathy for her, and it made the show even more exciting because the the the, the struggle between you know we want both of these women to win, and now what's going to happen? It it just it added a depth for me as an actress as well that that uh, I I had a blast doing. It was it was wonderful, and boy, what an experience to do a show in a different language. That's oh my, and that's great. You can just hear the animation in your voice and just how excited you were. So that's that's awesome. Really yeah, cool. it was really a fantastic experience. Wow, that's amazing. So you touched these two on a couple of the other plays. I know you got some nominations, and I have your resume yeah. up right here for, uh, let's see, what else did you do? You had uh, Jekyll and Hyde. You had a Best Actress Award for that. So that's yes. amazing. How did you tell us about those experiences? Thank you. Well, the, it was interesting. I My first nomination happened when I was doing um, Dance of the Vampires, Okay. I was um <clears throat> excuse me, I was doing the alternate of the lead. Uh they created an alternate position for me. So I was doing the lead but I was not the one on the C D. Um but uh I, I loved that show. It was Jim Steinman and Roman Polanski. It was fantastic music with Roman's humor and it was a brilliant show. It was one of the favorite shows that I ever did. And when I did that role, um technically I was not supposed to be nominated for Best Actress because technically I was an alternate, and that those nominations are only supposed to be for first cast positions. Okay. But there was apparently such a, an overwhelming vote for me that I actually was nominated. Wow! So it was it was a surprise. I I really wasn't expecting it, and um, I appreciated it so much. I mean the the audience and the fans in in Austria are are some of the best I have ever found anywhere. I mean, it's like musical theater productions are like rock concerts over there. Uh, I remember wow. the first time I came out for my curtain call. I I did not expect it to be so loud. I just you know because at Broadway you know people clap and sometimes they whistle and all that. When I came out for my curtain call in Dracula the first time. The 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 roar of the applause was so loud it actually Aww. stopped me in my tracks and it just it started it made me cry I was like oh I couldn't believe it it was such a wonderful feeling and I appreciated it so much um, 
so it was really it was an honor to to perform in Austria and and to be part of that fantastic show. It was really brilliant. I I got to work across from Steve Barton, um who we all miss very much. He passed away. Uh he was one of the best actors uh, I have ever had the honor of working with. He was he was one of those actors where he could just walk on stage and say nothing and do nothing and your jaw would right. just drop. You know what wow. I mean? He just he had this <laughs> such this amazing presence and I learned so much from working with him so I was I was truly lucky to to be a part of that production that's amazing that's great and I, I mean yeah. you've traveled a lot evidently with the do you have like a manager or some type of a PR person who manages you know, your career I, or do you do everything on your own now I well I now I'm pretty much doing it on my own. I, I am okay. you know working with my company on some things. I, I had a manager and an agent when I was in Germany, um, but you know when I came back to the states it it was sort of pointless because they can't really do much for me from over there. So um, and I you know I, I I always lean on my very good friend Barbara Baker who um, she was the manager for Queen. She was very good friends with Freddie Mercury. She uh, wow. she was married to Roy Thomas Baker. So she has been in the music business for a very long time, and she has been part of music history. I mean, they did Journey and the Cars and Queen and Freddie Mercury and all that. So, you know, whenever I have a question or I'm uncertain about it, she's always there to help me. She's She's been really fantastic. That's great. That's great to have those people, too, that you can – you know, kind of depend on and you can trust because, you know, this industry, unfortunately, is wrought with a lot of people who oh, manipulate boy. you and, yeah. I'm yeah, sure you have it's, your own. Like, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and every I time know. you think you're past it, something else happens again and you're like, oh, this again, here we go. But, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta you got to take it with a grain of salt. You have to learn from it, which is something I always do. Every time I make a mistake, I... I learned from it, and therefore it's not a mistake. It's it's important, and I and I know what not to do next time. And it's hard. I mean, it doesn't make it easy, but uh, it it makes you a better person, and it makes you really appreciate what you have and what you're going for. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Right. So tell us a little bit about because I want to uh, be able to get it in there and also play your song, another one of your songs. How do you know uh, Rich Giovanni from the group? Because I'm going to want to give him a plug tonight. Yes, I loved your interview with him. I was listening to that. Yeah, Richie's awesome. He, um, The Grimps, I think, is one of the most creative ideas I have heard in such a long time. I, I think yeah. that show is just going to be fantastic. And the theme song is great. And his animation is brilliant. I, it's I so know. cute. and. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was over here uh, at the studio where where I work, and he was doing some of his Grimps voice tags, and he had such a animation and character in his voice. It just it had me on the floor laughing. It was so cute and so funny, and I love the idea that he is he's bridging generations with that show. It's not just a cartoon. It's not just something that's you know going to be a big hit and be funny. It really it's got a lot of meaning to it. It's got an overwhelming respect for music, which which I think is really important. You know, music is, it's fun and it's great, but it's also incredibly important to our history and our culture and us mm-hmm. as human beings, and it's important to respect it for that, and, and Richie really does. And uh, I, I just, I'm so excited for him. I think it's going to be a brilliant project. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I just, yeah, everything's brilliant about it from the actual animation like you said the characters he's created they're just adorable they're bubbly they're right. cute looking and like you said it, it brings so many dynamics with the background of music from a long time ago to what's going on currently today 
and just right. the ability to brand and market that stuff. I mean, from T-shirts to hats to, I mean, it's just, yeah, right. it's amazing. I know. Yeah, I keep he's, telling him he's I want really to work put, with him. <laughs> yeah, he's put a lot of work into it, and, and I respect that. He's, you know, he and I are very similar in the sense that when something's important and we believe in it, we will do the work for it, and we will do the mm-hmm. legwork, and, you know, we'll we'll keep going as long as it takes. And he's got that, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be the Grimps are going to take over. It's going to be fabulous. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, with that being said, I'll put you on hold. We're going to check out the Grimps, and then I'm just going to do a couple of quick commercial briefs right before it, okay? Okay, sounds great. All right, great. Hold on, Lynn. All right, everyone, we are going to check out now Richie Sergiovanni. He is the creator of the Grimps, and as Lynn mentioned, it's just this amazing, excuse me, long day, uh, animated kids rock series. You can check them out at thegrimps.com. Before we go into that, I'm going to do a commercial break for Zero by One Sound Studio. It's an amazing studio out in Cherry Hill, and they do everything from recording bands to voiceover work to any type of audio you need, uh, sound design for films. So let's check them out, and then when we come back, we will check out the grip. Zero by One Sound, South Jersey's premier recording and audio production studio, featuring award-winning engineers, state-of-the-art gear, and spacious tracking rooms. Zero by One Sound offers musicians of any genre an exciting and professional recording environment. Call us now at 856-396-7672 to discuss your project and take a tour of the studio. Or visit us on the web at 0x1sound.com. Bang! 
everyone again. That was the hit theme song for the Grimps. Check them out at thegrimps.com and also follow them on Twitter at the Grimps. And that's spelled the and then Grimps, G-R-I-M-P-S. All right, Lynn, you there? Yes, I am. Yeah, I just want to get up and bop to that song. I know. I'm sitting here <laughs> tapping my it. feet. It stays in your head. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's so good. It's so good. So, um, yeah, so let's get back to, you know, feel free to please tell the audience whatever else you would like them to know about yourself and your upcoming album. Um, and do you have a, a permanent band right now that you regularly play out with shows? Yeah, I mean, right now we've been we've been focusing mostly on finishing up the album, which is done, mm-hmm. and the video for Caveman, which is still in the editing process. Um, but it's it's really looking great. It's the video is going to be fantastic. It's going to be very sexy and very funny and and clever. And uh, we even we're battling a T Rex dinosaur in it. There's a lot of parodies <laughs> going on. It's really it's very very unique. So. That's also why the editing is taking a little bit longer because there's there's quite a lot that has to be balanced in it, but it's it's getting there. So hopefully that will be yeah. done soon. Um, but yeah, I mean my band is fantastic. Um, I have an incredible bass player, co-writer, co-producer Ron Panella. He's brilliant. Uh, you know, you heard him in Caveman. That's such a fantastic bass line. I I love that. That's my favorite part of that song, and his backing vocals in that. Um, we have a great saxophone player, Austin Day. He um, he is phenomenal. Uh, he's he's in about three or four of the songs that we have on the album, and he's just incredible. He has such a talent and such a presence, and an incredible respect for the music and and for what he's doing. And really nice guy. Um, I I love I love the people that I'm working with because they're all so very kind and supportive and into the project. Um, Ed DiCapua is my drummer. He's he's fantastic because he's not only a, a brilliant drummer, he is mm-hmm. also he, an incredible force in, in how we put some of the songs together. One of the songs that we were working on for the album is called Love It Last, and it's very um, Jim Steinman-like, very meatloaf-like. It moves through a lot of different layers, and Ed was a huge force in how we shaped that song, and he, you know, he more than anybody throws out chord suggestions and modulation suggestions, and he is such an educated musician. He's and also what I love about him is he he comes to work on the entire project. He doesn't just come to sit on the drums. He works on everything, and it's great. It's just it's so wonderful to be surrounded by by such fantastic musicians. It's it's uh, I'm, I'm very very lucky. I. I enjoy every minute of these guys. It's fantastic to 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 work with them live as well as in the studio. They're they're just great. They give everything they've got. And Lendl Black is our arranger. He he's phenomenal. Uh, he's just he does scores for movies and stuff. So he's got a very great feel for piano and strings and orchestration. And he understands how I approach music, which is which is through emotion and feeling rather than just chords and notes and rhythms i you know a lot of times when i'm working on a song like one of the songs on the album is called hold on it's a a very emotional ballad and uh when i sat down to work with lendl on that i i explained it from an emotional standpoint you know this song is moving through emotions like water you know it starts as a ripple it becomes a huge wave and then it comes down again and i said i want i really want to get that feel of water and that feel of all of a sudden 
you know, there's a huge wave crashing over you and you didn't even know it was there. And he he can take all of those emotions and all of those explanations and, and do what he does, and it's brilliant. He's just he's spot on perfect every time. So I, I'm very lucky that, that I've found all these musicians that I have. They're just, they're great. Yeah, I, I was going to say to you, I mean, the production of the song, the music, I mean, that I've heard is just amazing, and you are one lucky girl to have all those great people working with you and especially enjoying working with them because, you know, that's half the battle sometimes is just finding people you can kind of connect with. So that's amazing. Well, that's true. And, and you know, one of the things that's great, when, when my uh, my bass player, Ron Pinella, he and I were the ones that were putting the band together. And what we said right off the bat was most important is is the attitude and the character of the people. We really, because when we work on our music, we we like to work from a very organic process. Okay. So we need people who are really there with their heart and soul and not just give me a chord and let me go home. So we would much rather have have a lesser musician who's a fantastic person than the best player in the world who doesn't have a very good attitude. And fortunately, we I, I got both. I have great musicians who have great attitudes and it's it's hard, but if you set your mind to to figure out what priorities you have and go for that, mm-hmm. um, it actually worked. And and we put together an incredible mixture of people, and and it's it's why everything turned out as great as it did. Because the whole atmosphere and attitude in our studio is is fantastic. You know, these guys are like family to me, so it's it's great. Very cool. So with that being said, why don't we? transition into your next uh, song that will feature tonight called Please Don't Make Me Love You. And okay. uh, tell us a little bit about that song, and then we will uh, check that out. Yeah, I I absolutely love this song. If if there was ever a song that I was born to sing that I didn't write, this would be it. Um, this song was written by Frank Wildhorn, um, Christopher Hampton, and Don Black for the original production of Dracula. And okay. I I did Dracula in in Austria, and obviously we did it in German over there. Um, but while I was working on it, you know, Frank had given me the English version, and and I as soon as I heard that song, I every fiber in my body stood up, and I had tears in my eyes and goosebumps, and I just I loved it. In fact, it was it was when they were talking to me about doing Dracula. I had said, well, can you send me some of the music so I can hear it and make sure that, you know, I'm right for the part and can do justice to it. So uh, the musical director sent me that song, and he knew me, so I know he knew that he was sending that because I'd fall in love with it. And that's exactly what happened five minutes after I heard it. I called him back, and I said, I don't care where this show is. I am going, and I'm going to do it. I I love the song. I don't even need to hear the rest of the show. I'm in. And... uh, Every time I sing it, it's like it's like it's a piece of my soul. Um, Frank is an absolutely incredible writer. I have the utmost respect for for the ballads that he writes. They're they're just he's got such a sense of emotion and struggle mm-hmm. and passion, and that's why it's so much fun to do his shows too. Because he really he gives you something to work with. You know, you can really get on stage and and let your soul just fly, and that's. That song is one of my favorites. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. Your voice is beautiful, and as you said, you got some phenomenal musicians backing you. So, with that being right. said, let's check that out. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Hold on. All right, everyone. We're going to check out Lynn's song right now. 
which is titled Please Don't Make Me Love You. It again again is going to be off of her album titled At Last coming out this summer. All right, but before we go into that, I definitely want to give a plug to Victor Barriga from iRock TV. He's such an amazing supporter of the show. I see him plugging away right now on Facebook, and it's just very kind, and I just want to let him know that I appreciate his support. Please check them out, iRockTV.com. Sorry, let me make sure I have that right. Hold on a second. I'm checking this stuff out. Trying to do 100 things here. iRockTV.co. So check it out. It's for musicians, bands. They feature all different types of uh, musicians. They go out and interview you at live shows. It's an amazing site, and they're really getting a great name for themselves and uh, picking up a lot in terms of uh, getting a lot of uh, publicity out there. So go to iRockTV.co, and it's just the letter I, Rock TV. Okay? And right now, let's check out Lynn's song, Please Don't Make Me Love You. And let me find it in the switchboard here. i got to go back into the alphabet because everything's alphabetized. Hold on one sec. Remember, I'm doing everything on my own here, so just give me one second. <laughs> Long day. All right, here we go. Lynn. Uh-oh, I'm going to pronounce, mispronounce this. Okay, I'm going to just say Lynn right now. It's been a long day. I work in corrections, so uh, please forgive me. Okay, so please don't make me love you by Lynn. Check it out. Oh. Uh-huh. 
All right, everyone, that was the amazingly beautiful song called Please Don't Love Me by Lynn Lexi. And I don't think I pronounced it right. I apologize. But um, let's bring her back on so we can uh, wrap things up tonight and uh, she can plug all the different sites where you can find her, where you can purchase her music. Okay, Lynn, amazing song again. Just totally beautiful. I can totally Thank hear you. the emotional involvement in that song. Yeah, well, you know, how can you not? It's it's written so beautifully, so it's mm-hmm. a joy to sing every time. So, um, yeah, so please, uh, again, let's uh, wrap things up. You did an amazing job, and I, I thank you again for coming on the show. And, uh, thank you. I appreciate you, you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, so let everyone know where they can uh, find you, your your sure, website, the, Twitter. The website is uh, lynnlichtymusic.com, spelled L-Y-N-L-I-E-C-H-T-Y music.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, you can check out my website. That will tell you where you can get all of the music. There's also music available on iTunes and Amazon and CD Baby and all of those places as well. Great. Thank you so much. You did an amazing job. And again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, the podcast will be available. So please promote it because the more we promote it, the more listens you're going to get. So uh, we'll keep doing that. Absolutely. I really appreciate it, Terry. Thank you very much. You have a great night. You too. Please keep in touch too. I will. Absolutely. Thanks. Okay. Have a great night, Lynn. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Again, that was Lynn Lichty, and please check out her music. She's an amazing artist, a theatrical rock singer. She does theater, and she just has such an amazing resume, so you can check her out at her website, and she gave all the information. So thank you so much again for everyone who has tuned in and supported this show. It's just been, again, an amazing run, and please check out the podcast. We've had so many amazing comedians on this show, musicians, filmmakers, and the list goes on. And I definitely want to close the show because I definitely want to also give um, They also work with uh, Anthony from the Opie and Anthony show, so he's behind the scenes with the uh, development of this show. So I'll give you some information. Davin's Den is a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. If you are looking for a show that can make you think and laugh out loud at the same time, then Davin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time to watch live episodes, hear or watch old episodes, or find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page on davincomedy.com. And Davin is spelled D-A-V-I-N comedy.com. So um, next week, I'm not sure I might have an interview. I don't have anything booked right now. I'm trying to maybe take a a break because I've been uh, packing these interviews in and we've got tons coming up in the month of uh, June and July, but um, I might actually plug someone in next week. So please go to the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. I have all the information there if you want to become a guest um, under the info section as well as a list of the calendar for the guests coming up as well as you can go to my blog talk radio page. And um, please follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will follow you. My official website is CarrieEdelman.com. I have a music page on Facebook under Carrie Edelman as well as two personal pages because one of them is uh, pretty much maxed out at the 5,000 cap that Facebook gives you. So, um, again, thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in tonight. I'm going to close the song. uh, Close the song. Yeah, right. Close the show with one of my songs off of my album, Leave It All Behind. 
And you can find the album on iTunes and all other digital sites by searching Carrie Edelman. And the song tonight I'm going to do is titled Run. So um, let's check this out. And again, thank you so much for everyone who has tuned in and continued to support the show. Here's my single run off of my album, Leave It All Behind, available on iTunes. 